0: Well, I want to start this morning with something that's not really my message, but it's another part of just what's on my heart, um, something that I feel the Lord has stirred in me. And the Bible tells pastors that they are to shepherd the flock. And so when there are things that, that uh, you see happening in the flock that are concerning, you need to address those. And so I really just want to share to you my heart of just some concerns that I have uh, seen within our own flock here that I just want to help us to be more careful with. And about nine months ago, the Lord had spoke to me two messages to give to this congregation. One was in regards to the use of alcohol and the other one was in regards to the issue of pornography. And you can go online, you can find those sermons. There's a lot there. But this morning I want to recap something regarding the alcohol issue. And you've got to know something. Whenever wine is presented in the Bible, it's one of two things. It's either a sweet wine, so freshly pressed grapes, no alcohol content in it whatsoever. That can be referred to as wine. The other kind does have alcohol in it. So whenever we see wine in the Bible, you can't just assume that we're talking about alcohol. We're talking about what they had to drink at that time, freshly pressed grapes, and if it sat too long, it became fermented and you had alcohol, okay? And as followers of Christ, when you look through the Bible and say, how can I respond to what alcohol is in my world today, followers of Christ have two choices. Number one, you either abstain from it totally. Now that is a position that Brady and I have. As a youth pastor, I in no way want to have any of the students under my ministry, stumble because of me. Alcohol will not be in our home, and for Brady and I, we choose not to do that. And the other way you can look at it is, if you want to partake, you have to do it wisely. You have to be smart about it, because there can be things, consequences to not doing it wisely. So the first one is this. Please be careful when kids are present when this is going on. Jesus said in Matthew 18, If any of you causes these little ones who trusted me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and then to be drowned in the depths of the sea. The kids are watching how you're handling these things. It's important that I think whenever kids are around, we need to be wise about how we handle this thing. The second is this, is how it's handled in public especially on this social media, and specifically Facebook. We can post it out there, and people see this, and they have no idea the context and the situation that you might have been in. And you might be sitting there and say, well, that's their problem. That's not my problem. No, it's not. Your responsibility is to make sure that the message of Jesus Christ is not confused. So we've got to be wise about that. So in Romans 14, the Bible says it is better to not partake if it causes another person to stumble. So we have to be careful about how we put this out there for people to see, because there are people watching you and saying, well, if it's okay for them, it must be okay for me. And maybe the context of their life, though, it's not the same. Maybe there's somebody who struggled with this. Maybe there's somebody who they're looking for answers, and so they see it's approved by you, so they run to that thinking it's okay. We've got to be smart. And so the first thing I wanted to say out the gate this morning is just a word from my heart. Just please be careful with the use of alcohol. Okay? All right. Let's move on to the message. Now we got that out of the way. We're in Second Corinthians chapter 4 if you turn your Bibles there. 2 Corinthians 4, my message this morning is titled, Sight to the Blind. Before we read from the Word, I'd like to pray together, so let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask now, as we read from your Word, that you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, if there's things that that are needing to be revealed to us that would improve our our walk with You, we ask that You'd reveal that. Lord, if there's things that we're running to for answers besides You, I pray that You'd reveal that. Lord, may Your Spirit have His way in all of our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Second Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 1, we're going to read from 1 to 12. The Bible says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, and this ministry is telling others about Jesus. That's what Paul is talking about prior to this. This ministry is telling others about Christ. Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways, and we do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, that is, if it's blocked from view, it is veiled or blocked to those who are perishing. The God of this age, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death of Jesus. Or we're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Now there is a lot there in that passage, and so we're going to break that down this morning. Because some of that can just be confusing, and you look at that and you think, Wow, uh, there's a lot there, Paul, what are you trying to say? And my first point in breaking this down is that if we're going to give sight to the blind, the people we're giving sight to have to be blind to begin with. And verse 4 points that out to us. The Bible says that the God of this age, that's Satan, he blinds the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that is displayed in Jesus. Satan is constantly blinding people who do not yet know Jesus as their Savior keeping them from encountering the life-transforming power of God. Satan blinds unbelievers. About 25 years ago, winds picked up and caused a big dust storm, a terrible dust storm, and it triggered a massive pileup on Interstate 5 near Kalinga, California. And topsoil whipped around at about 50 miles an hour, and it reduced the visibility down to nothing. Now, the wreckage involved over a hundred different vehicles and it spanned for over three miles the pileup. And they even had situations where a hundred yards off the freeway there were cars stacked on top of each other. It was terrible. And reports said that day the tragic scene took the lives of 17 people and injured over 150. Unable to see their way, driver after driver went blindly into the wreckage." The truth is, this tragedy speaks also to what is happening in the unseen world. Many people today are walking around blindly down the path of destruction, having no idea what is really going on and what is about to come. Now I want you to imagine for a second being near the freeway that day about a mile before the wreckage and you knew what drivers were headed into, what would you be doing to get these drivers' attention? You know, would you be shouting at vehicles on their way by, trying to let them know? Would you be holding signs up, trying to tell them, hey, stop, you know, slow down so I can talk to you? Or Maybe you'd even risk your life, risk your comfort and step out onto the freeway and try to stop traffic just so you could tell them where they were going. Everything inside of you would be pressed to do something. Now with that in mind, let's think about that spiritually. The truth is you and I, we have friends, we have family, they're unbelievers, they're blind to Jesus Christ, and they're headed down a path of destruction the Bible gives us that clear direction. We can see it. Is there anything inside of us that is pressed to do something about that? Because it's truth. You and I, we know what's going on. And so our mission has to be helping other people see. Our mission as followers of Christ is to help unbelievers see. Now Paul breaks this down in verses 5 through 7. So verse 5 he says, What we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. And as I was reading that and preparing this message for us this morning, this is the question that popped out with verse 5. What are you preaching? What are you preaching? What do people hear when they hear the words that you preach? I want you to know something that I'm I realize I'm a pastor but every single one of us in this room is a preacher. You're not excluded from that. What do people see with the actions that you preach? You know, and what are people thinking with with the life that you preach. If it's anyone or anything but God, you're preaching the wrong message. Our life mission has to be about making Christ known, that is to help unbelievers see. That's our mission. And in verse 6 Paul says, For God, who in the beginning said, let there be light. God said, let light shine in the darkness. It was God who made his light shine in our hearts. Now, Paul could have just stopped right there. God made his light shine in you. But if you look at verse 6, Paul goes on. He says, God made his light shine in you to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. In other words, God gave us this light of Jesus to then share it with other people. And verse 7 He says, we have this treasure. Again, that's God's light. God gives us that treasure. This treasure is in jars of clay. That's you and me. Jars of clay. If I had a a jar of clay and I just simply dropped it from the, the pulpit, it would probably break. You and I are fragile, we're weak, we're broken, and yet God, in our brokenness, says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to put my light in you, and I'm going to make you a part of my mission, if you're willing. We are nothing without God. In fact, Ephesians says that all of us, before we met Christ, we were once darkness. But now we are light in the Lord. I'm not light on my own. I can't accumulate all these good things and and try to help people and, and try to earn my way into this thing. It's Christ shining through me. God gives us a light to shine. Jesus himself said people don't light a lamp and place it under a bushel. They put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone. You and I, we must do everything we can to stay on mission. We've got to do everything we can to stay focused. Because all you got to do is wake. You wake up in the morning and boom, the distractions are there. You've you've got to stay focused on this. With this last section I'm going to highlight, it's from verses 8 through 12. And Paul is essentially making two points, and the first one's pretty straightforward. He says, I was pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. And I was perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I was persecuted, but not abandoned. I'm struck down. I'm not destroyed. What Paul was saying is, I've been through so much, and even though it was difficult, God was supernaturally with me every single step of the way. And God can even use our difficult circumstances to bring into greater focus the mission that He wants us to complete. So when we walk through difficult times, there's a tendency to go, why me? But those are the perfect moments to say, God, use me for your purpose, for your mission. The second point that Paul makes might be a little harder to understand, especially when he's saying things like you got to die and death has to reign in you, and and through that, then there's life. And you can just, it's kind of muddled and put together. But here, let me boil it down for you with verse 12. He says, Death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Paul is saying that every day, you and I, we have to continually die to ourselves. That is, we, di- we die to our desires, and we-, we die to our will, and we die to trying to have control over our life. So that then Christ can live or shine through us. That is, we take on Christ's desires, we take on Christ's will, we let Christ have control. And when that happens, Christ shines brighter and brighter, and our impact for the kingdom of God increases. Now this is not an easy thing. How many of you have ever had to die to selfish desires? Yeah, a few of you. Some of you didn't raise your hand. You need to die to that selfish desire to keep your hand down. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but... It's something we have to do every day. I mean, Paul says that it's something we have to continually do. All right, he made a statement that says we are always being given over to death. That's a continual process. That's not a one-time thing. And he says, we carry around the death of Jesus. That's not something we picked up one time when we got saved, and then we just move forward and say, you know, now I'm going to go back to my life. We do this every day. You and I, we die to ourselves every day. And the point of emphasis is that when you do that, Christ begins to shine through you, and it automatically impacts people. Because you're not working in your own strength anymore. You're, You're submitting to Christ's will. So a couple questions came to mind with the two points that Paul was making. The first one is this. What are you and I willing to go through so that others may come to know Christ? What are we willing to go through so that other people may come to know Jesus? The next question is this. What are things that need to die in us so that others can see more of Jesus? What are things that need to die in us? so that others can see Jesus. You know, the irony in this whole thing is that you and I are trying to help blind people see. We're trying to help unbelievers come to know Christ. And while at the same time, you and I struggle with something called blind spots. And these are the things that keep us from seeing the need or pull us away from accomplishing the task at hand. Blind spots. So that's where you look at that and you say, think of the distractions in my life that maybe cause me to become complacent or just kind of forget about the mission that God wants me to be on. And think of the sin that entangles us and that keeps us from reaching out. And maybe even think of the things that unbelievers go to for answers instead of Jesus that we find ourselves going back to even though we know the answer. These are blind spots, and they will keep us off task and off mission. You and I, we have to stay focused on that mission. Worship team, will you join me up here? As the Lord was stirring this message in my heart for you this morning, A song from my childhood kept coming forward, written by a man named Billy Joel. And even though this tune is secular, there is an interesting theological truth that fits with my message this morning. And the truth is this, that even though people are blinded spiritually, they're living in darkness, there is something inside of them that is searching for answers. And they'll keep looking and looking and looking until they find that peace that only Jesus can give. Now I believe this with all my heart, and that is that God created mankind to know Him, to know Him, to know Jesus, And Satan will do everything that he can to keep people from knowing him. And there are a lot of temporary answers that you and I might go to in this life, but they'll never truly satisfy. They'll never truly bring the peace into our heart that only Christ can bring. There are many things that Satan tries to blind us with. Now, in 2 Corinthians 3.16, the Bible says, that whenever someone turns to Jesus, the veil is taken away. He's the answer. Christ is the answer. He's the one that can truly help us to see. I want us all to bow our heads, close our hearts, close our eyes, and ask God to speak to your heart. for those listening right now who have surrendered their life to Christ, you, you are saved. My question to you this morning is, how are you doing with this mission? Are there any blind spots in your life? Ask God to help you focus in on what He wants you to do, to realign your heart with His. And for those listening right now who haven't surrendered their lives to Christ, until you settle your life under the answer of Jesus, you will continue to walk aimlessly, without peace, and without purpose. You'll continue to walk blinded, lost, and headed for destruction. The Bible calls that hell eternity without Christ. There's only one answer and it's time to settle it. The answer is Jesus who while yet we were sinners came and He took on our sin on the cross to set us free so that you may have purpose and have peace and have direction and have everlasting life if you'd like to receive Christ into your heart this morning and asking him to rule on the throne of your life I just simply ask you to pray with me in your heart and simply just say Jesus today I surrender open my eyes give me purpose I realize that I'm a sinner and I am in need of a savior So I come to you asking for forgiveness of my sin. That you would set me free. And that you would live, live in my life. Giving me guidance and direction every step of the way. Come in and fill my heart with your purpose from this day forward. Now, while every head is bowed and eye is closed, if you just prayed that with me and asked Christ to come and live in your life to be your Lord and Savior, will you just simply lift your hand for me right now, just simply up and down. I see it. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I see your hand. I see several hands. Thank you. Father God, make that so real. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for new life. We thank you that you help us to see. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to be about your mission. When we walk out of this place, may we be people who are about sharing the light of Jesus Christ. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.